This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. I just, I just shivered. I mean, I said, Daddy, I don't want to hear this. And he would say, half pint, I need to get it off my chest. I need to tell somebody. Gaskins is going to claim that he murdered some 80 to 90 young people, torturing them, then uh, prolonging their death, um, torturing them again, and then hiding their bodies. I'm ready to start episode 116, Pee-wee Donald Pee-wee Gaskins, part two, a.k.a. Junior Parrot, a.k.a. Pee-wee Parrot, a.k.a. Meanest man in America. Or the redneck Charles Manson. Only I don't know where that came from because he's nothing like Charles Manson. He worked alone and he did his own killing. So that's just I know. That's like my favorite argument to get into people when they're like, Charles Manson serial killer. I'm like, technically. Charles Manson is an accessory. Is that that what he got? Or uh, I can't think of the word. You know what I'm the the planner the master planner <laughs> <laughs> the Mr. Planner the master I'm just gonna let you fumble fuck on that for a minute the master no we could we would be here all day if I did that because, all day yeah it, the more I try to think of words the less they come to my head <laughs> and then I just say dumb shit oh. repeatedly so how about it was conspiracy and murder yes that's the word it's a comparison compi- it's a comparison to murder. <laughs> That is the word I was looking for. Yeah, I know. It it would never show up. How about social media? How about it? Where do they find us? Um, Go to Instagram, guys, and follow Color Me Dead podcast. Follow gory underscore Nikki and follow Color Me Dead Angel for all the neat things on Instagram. Yes. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter if you want us to ignore you at Color Me Dead Pod. Follow us on Facebook at Color Me Dead Podcast. You can also join the group at Color Me Dead Podcast Group. And it's a fucking free for all in that Mm -hmm. It really just is. You can go to ageofradio.org slash color me dead and you can shop our bazaar. You can listen to our show. You can donate to our Patreon because there's a Patreon button on there and you can listen to other shows that are in our Bizarre, no, no, syndicate, that's the word, big words. 
<laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, you can also donate to our Patreon at patreon.com, and I believe it's slash color me dead, but don't quote me, just go search it. And if you want merch, merch, color me dead pod dot threadless.com. Go get stuff like Jer Barton. Jer Barton went and got the shirt. Yeah. He, he just posted on Twitter about <clears throat> the. Um, keep it up and you'll be this funny smell in the trunk. <gasps> mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite shirts. Me too. And I don't even have one. I need to get we should, one. We really need to sit down. And shop. And shop. For me and you. For winter. I like this idea. I mm-hmm. feel like it's a necessity. Yes. The bare necessities. The simple bare necessities. Forget about your children and your wife. Yeah, yeah dad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I like it. All right. All right. The it's book. like, oh, sorry. Sorry. Sorry about that. That's like me and the fucking, uh, what is it? Uh, raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Sticking my dick in rotisserie <laughs> chickens. chickens. Where did you post that? I read that. The Color Me Dead group. Okay. I was like, I saw that somewhere. All right. Well, the book used for this episode was Donald Gaskins, The Meanest Man in America by Jack Rosewood. Also, a little bit in this episode, but 100% for next episode, is The Final Truth, written by Pee Wee Gaskins himself. Well, he did the, the kerosene king. <laughs> the kerosene king. He didn't actually write it. Wilton Earl wrote it, and he told the story, but we will, we'll talk about that. And another big thanks to Samantha Vaughn for letting us borrow the book, because... The cheapest one I found now is 160 and it goes up to $900. I think that was the most expensive one I found. Jesus was Christ. Yeah, so thank, thank you for letting us borrow this, and we'll send it back, because I don't fucking want it anymore. Yeah, it's filthy. I don't like it. It's gross. Mm-hmm. So last week, we went over what we know about Pee-wee's childhood, some disturbing murders of the little bastard, and this guy was more messed up in the head than any of us could ever imagine. And I think it's the kerosene. What do you think? Kerosene came. Kerosene. It was the kerosene. I did spend forever trying to figure out all the marriages and where his daughter Shirley came from out of like the fact books that we have. Right. The fact information. And I couldn't find a lot. And so we're going to have to go off of what comes out of the final truth. And I'm just going to talk about that next time when we do the final truth. But this is what I found on Murderpedia. And this is a quote from Murderpedia. Okay? The website. Murderpedia. Donald Peewee Gaskins. Quote. It says, Marriage, like religion, failed to civilize Gaskins. During his second year with Reverend Todd, he was jailed for statutory rape of a 12-year-old virgin girl. Jesus. In Florence County. Taken to the courthouse for arraignment, Gaskin slips out a window and stole a county car and fled. We talked about that one. To North Car- to Greensboro, North Carolina. There he soon met and married wife number four. So we're missing number three, I think. I think we talked about two last time. Another 17-year-old and abandoned her after three months. It weren't, this is what he said, quote, It weren't that I stopped loving her, he later wrote. It were the edginess and the bothersomeness stirring inside me. I got so edgy and mad at the world, I just had to get away. All right. Don't cut yourself on that fucking edge. Yeah. As for his many, as for his many wives, Pee Wee maintained, "quote I truly loved them all." 
Did you? Did you? Briefly reunited with his third wife in Georgia, Gaskins was en route to Florida when a highway patrolman tried to stop him for speeding. Fearing arrest as a fugitive, Gaskins drove his car into a swamp and escaped on foot, leaving his not-self ex-wife to the law. From there, he returned to North Carolina and wife number four, but she blew the whistle on him and was extradited for his trial. Jurors in Florence County rejected Pee-wee's argument that sex with preteen girls was justifiable. Oh my well, fucking god. <laughs> see, what had happened was... Yeah. Convicted in 1964, he got six years for statutory rape and two more for his flight from custody. So, like I said, that's just a touch on wives. I really couldn't find anything about wives. It does say more in the books. Still don't... I'm not exactly sure which wife Shirley came from, and I'm hoping to find that soon. But I don't know. Nobody knows about Pee-wee. Nobody Nobody knows knows his daughter. Pee-wee used his daughter as bait to get young girls as close to him as he could so that he could rape and murder them. His daughter, Shirley, said that um, he would even bring his victims back to the house and have her make them their last meal. She said they would leave and never come back. Do you know how wildly fucked up that is? Yeah. The shit that she went through. Ugh. The fact that she is so numb Mm -hmm. to that trauma that she easily repeat, like, she can easily talk about it, repeat it, and discuss it as though it's like, well, now we're going to talk about my favorite chicken casserole. That I'm used to make all of his victims. Yeah. Six or seven times. But that is kind of my thing is like, dude, when you... When you can... I don't know. It's weird. I guess I shouldn't talk shit because I can... I can freely talk about trauma in my life. And I think it's because I've just, like, I've had an opportunity to to deal with it. Yeah. So now I'm just like, fuck it. We might as well laugh at it. Yeah. I don't know. It's, but to me, it's weird. Like, you were bait to bring young women to your father, and then you would actually create their last meal for them. And then they go, bye-bye. Mm-hmm. They disappeared. Yeah. Fucking hootie. Nobody knows how many murders he had committed by now, but what we do know is that he was starting to feel like he was untouchable. That's a scary place for a madman to be. Mm -hmm. He cared less and less about who it was. His last murder was a, finger quotes, serious murder. (laughs) And it took place in 1975. It was a 14-year-old girl named Kim, Kim Gelkins. I'm not sure if that was a friend of Shirley or if... You know, Shirley just happened to make her last meal for her. But Shirley said that she walked out the front door with Pee-wee and she was never seen again. Pee-wee had made a sexual advance at her and for some reason, she declined. Imagine that. Fuck, wrap your brain around that. Why this strapping lad just didn't appeal to a 14-year-old. I mean, he's like 30-something. I can't remember exact age, but... Old enough to be your father. Yeah. Ugh. Or, no, he had to have been older than that. He was born in 33 and this was in 75. So he was even... He was older than that. He was in his 40s. Fucking math that up. Yeah, I can't. So, yeah, I'm not (laughs) good in math either. I can as long as I don't have to. If there's pressure on me, I'm like, nope, just shut down. Fuck it. I know. If you look (laughs) at me and you, like, the other day I was so tired, I'd worked, like, graveyard, 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 daylight. And then I went to go get food and I went to tip my server. And I... So I always make it, like, an even dollar amount. If I have to tip on my card, normally I have cash. 
And I, so I'm, so if it's like $9.61, I'm like, okay, 39 cents plus, you know what I mean? And I fucking froze. I could not carry the one. You're like. I completely like launched into like, I'm going to have to use my calculator. Hold, please. And then you add it up and you're like, oh yeah. Fuck. Why? Why are you so stupid? Dude, (laughs) mean, mean girls. Actually, I'm really good at math. You're kind of bad at math. (laughs) Um. This upset Pee-wee, okay? So she he makes a sexual advance to a 14-year-old little girl. She brutally rebuffs him, yeah. and this pisses him off. So he takes her into the swamp, rapes her, murders her, and then put her body in a... F- hey. Hi. In a quickly filling... Sorry, this chip in my tooth? Uh, a... Threw her in a swampy grave. There, um, that's what you get. We'll give you we'll give you the rated R version, and then what we're going into next week, brace yourself. And I think we'll probably drop an extra disclaimer, just so yeah. that you guys know, like, if you're a sexual assault victim, Don't. I strongly recommend that you pass next week's episode. I know that you guys are fully aware that we pride ourselves on giving you the dirtiest of details, no matter what, so... Spoiler alert, next week is fucked off. It's worse than Fred and Rose. Froze, mm-hmm. third place. Pee-wee, so far, first, first place. First and second. I don't know, man. Take Dean Coral. You got to put him in there. And DPR. And like, DPR. Oh, they're dude, all... Fucking David Parker Ray. I still, to this day, like, nah. All right. Pee-wee made a mistake by killing Kim. She had a family and people that missed her. And unlike some of his victims, like the little coastal killings, those were transient people. They were traveling. People, sorry, it was the fucking late 60s and 70s. People fucking went missing. It was like the free love and fucking acid era. This is a 14-year-old little girl who had a family. She had people. You know what I mean? And they were waiting for her to come home. Yes, they were. Soon after the investigation started, his name kept coming up as a suspect. Somehow, this was the first time he had been a suspect for a murder, with the exception of good old Hazel Brazel. Hazel Brazel. Hazel Brazel. There was more and more evidence that was stacking up against Pee-wee. They were able to get that search warrant for his house that they needed, and while searching his house, they found clothes that belonged to Kim Gelkins. He was arrested for contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Contributed what? Death? That's what I want to know. That part, like, I read it over and over to make sure that I was reading it right. I don't understand why. Why? He wasn't giving her booze. He fucking killed her. She's gone. Contributed... What? Rape? Sexual, like, I contributed wiener. What I did was I contributed a rape <laughs> and a murder. Ugh. I know. I don't like it. <clears throat> Delinquency of a minor. We've often, we've often talked about other serial killers that would keep souvenirs from their victims, right? DPR had driver's license. This is, mm-hmm. sorry, I just glanced. Ed Gein kept silver pussies. Pee-wee, on the other hand, I know you prick. (laughs) So Pee-wee was never one to keep souvenirs, and that's what made this murder a tad bit different than others. Mm -hmm. Tell me why. He later said that he made another mistake. This This is a quote from the fuck stick. May, he, quote, made another mistake and didn't abide by the wise man's rule to never keep anything from a victim because it's evidence. Uh, um, souvenir and evidence. 
allegedly allegedly have a thin line. Mm-hmm. The piece of clothing wasn't enough to convict him of murder, though, obviously. What would end up bringing him down was another one of his, quote, mistakes. Not mistakes with murders, but mistakes with telling a friend and gaining an accomplice, which, as we know, he didn't really have those all the way up until now. He killed them all. All of this happened before he had abducted Kim, but it came back to bite him in the ass after she went missing. Up until 1975, he had worked mostly alone. He learned that having accomplices wasn't a good idea. I talked about the for-hire murders last week that he had accomplices for that just resulted in more murders because they threatened to turn him in, so he killed them. But one day, he got in over his head and needed a little help. He had met a man named Walter Neely, not to be confused with his former accomplice, Diane Neely. It was in the same year, but apparently there was a lot of Neelys in... In their camp in Florence County, <laughs> Walter was what the book called a quote criminal accomplice. They were a lot alike. They were antisocial and both had serial killer tendencies, like murdering. I don't uh, know. Wh- That's usually the first thing, first sign, murder. They had known each other for a while, but didn't get close until 1975. This is about when Pee Wee started getting sloppy, and he was making a lot of mistakes. This is. As you'll notice, basically when everybody starts to get caught is when they start getting fucking sloppy. Like, what's that fucking Canadian redneck? I can see his face. What? I can't think. Pig boy. Picked in. Picked in. Wabut. I'm telling you, these words don't come to my mind when I need them. Dude, it's been incredible. Like, the last couple of weeks have been really long and strenuous and hard mentally, emotionally, and physically on both of us. So... That's right. why we don't do these from memory. Because I feel like if we were just bullshit and I could tell a story from memory, I could put some bullet points down and we could go. It's times like this that we know that that only works about one out of three times. Yeah. Because I've done it. I've done bullet points and told an excellent episode. Right. I've also tried to do things from memory like Emily Rose. Well, <laughs> that was a different time. <laughs> I don't even want, like, I hope you didn't keep the raw audio from that. Just I didn't. Tr- Oh, thank God. No. God only knows what that, I just, mm-mm, no. No. That, like, things keep popping up in my Facebook memories from this time last year. Oh, no. Oh, dude, it's unpleasant as fuck. You're like, oh. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I've lost my place. Oh, one night, Pee Wee found a van that had broken down on the side of the road. Uh, this obviously gave him a murder boner like he happened to get. Pee-wee went to the van and acted like he was someone that wanted to help them. He walked up to the little van and abducted two men and a woman, took them to the swamp, handcuffed them all together, tortured them, and drowned them in the swamp. What he had to say afterwards about it was, quote, It's hard to say which one suffered the most. I tried to make it equal. Equal opportunity employer. I hate and fuck and murder everybody. I'm equal. Equal. I make the torture equal. Thanks, Pee Wee. Oh, you're a stand-up motherfucker. Mm -hmm. But he needed help with the van, and this is where he called good old Walter Neely. Walter wasn't a bright or violent person, but he was a criminal like Pee Wee, and Pee Wee knew that he could help him. They got the van running and took it to Pee Wee's shop. They repainted the van, refurbished the inside. During this process is when Pee Wee got... <clears throat> we'll refer to it as diarrhea of the mouth. Mm-hmm. Word vomit. 
That's what all my teachers called it when I, because I used to talk a lot in school. You've got diarrhea of the mouth. Oh, no, word vomit. I just have a friend and I only see her like once, once a day for this hour. So I got to get it all in. <laughs> you don't understand. This is my outlet. My mother's heinous. I'm going to need you to shh up there. It's like flowers in the attic at home, okay? I don't get to Bless the brother anyone. fucking. Ew. I know. Now. <laughs> None of that. Mm-mm. Well, he told Walter everything. He showed him multiple dump sites. Walter helped him kill and dispose of two men who stole from Pee Wee. The police started focusing more and more on Pee Wee for Kim Gelkins and her entire disappearance. And while they were doing that, they began questioning the people that were closest to him. Didn't take long for little Walter Neely to break. Nope. He I don't know why man. this this case specifically, because it happened in the South, even though I actively try not to do that. It just happens. It does. And then I feel bad for people that we know, like Southern Fried True Crime. Right. Because I feel like we're kind of making fun of their areas. Do you think they ever try to talk like us? <laughs> <laughs> I want them to. <laughs> we should ask them to now. Like, listen, dude, I'm going to need you to try and talk like we do. Like Lindsay Just from... because it's funny. Yeah, Lindsay from Mugshot and Corpus, the word right? that I don't say right. Corpus like, Delicti. Can you please... Since we always try to throw a Southern accent out there when we're talking about Southern people, <laughs> can you try to knock us one back? <laughs> I know, right? You want to knock me down a peg or two and try to talk like you're from the Uinta Basin? Yeah. Give it a whirl. Let's bring in somebody that's super Uinta Basin and have them talk and then we can be like, here. And see what happens. Copy this. Please. That would be funny. I know. I don't mean to do the southern accent either, but that's all I hear. Well, good. Now I don't feel so bad. Nope. Um, I've given you permission to make fun of me. Please do so. Okay. He told the police everything he knew and then took him to the dump site. The investigators weren't sure what to expect once they started digging. They initially were just hoping that they would find the body of Kim Gilkins so that her family would have some kind of closure and be able to give her a proper burial. Mm Mm-hmm. As you all know, what they unearthed was completely everything. Yes. Now, like, when somebody takes you to to a place that they refer to as a dump site, I think you should pretty much brace your asshole for every shuddering thing the human mind can't comprehend. Like, Yeah, like, I, I hope you're talking about trash, not bodies. Nope, nope. We're going in there like West Mesa. Mm-hmm. <sighs> State investigator Ira Parnell Jr. said, We just lined up and started walking slowly through the woods. Sometimes during the process, in moving through the bushes and undergrowth, somebody discovered that there were some bushes that had been put there and they weren't growing there. Mm. This ended up being the first of six bodies that were discovered. The investigators were overwhelmed. They had never seen anything like this. The dump site ended up turning into an archaeological excavation site. They said the smell of death was everywhere. Parnell said that he wasn't a smoker, but he had cigars because the smoke helped mask the smell of the rotting flesh. Yeah, they would just, like, carry around the cigars to try to make Dude, it not Dude, take smell. your ass into town. Get a bottle of either Vicks Vapor Rub. For real. Or get yourself that, uh, what's the shit you put on your teeth to make them go numb? Like, not light again. Ambisol. Yeah, Ambisol. Numb your fucking nose up, dude. Mm, something. I'm just saying, like, I've had to go out and take care of dead cattle. Oh, God, that's... And I used to put Ambisol, on, like, in my nose, and then Vicks Vapor Rub, like, right here, mm-hmm. so that all I 
could smell when I could smell was eucalyptus, which is why that's not a favorite smell of mine because it's what I use to cover the smell of dead body. And I'm sorry, dead things is a very particular smell. Yeah. I don't care if it's a mouse or a people. Remember when we were going to Colorado and there was a big... No, that wasn't you. That was Calvin when he was a baby. First, I think we got stopped in road construction there, so it kind of blended oh, in. Oh, yeah. There was a big elk on the side of the road that was dead, but it was bloated. And oh, it was God. right there, and it was road construction. And we got stopped right by... He was just a little tiny baby, so... Oh, no. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> no. Dude, the worst is what, like when they're bloated like that, you know that it's only a matter of time before those gases get out. Oh, God. <laughs> No. Do you remember the year that, I want to say it was like 2013 or 14, the year that like that stretch from Strawberry to Salt Lake was just like the fucking highway to hell and all of the things, it didn't matter if it was deer, elk, moose, rabbit, it didn't mm-hmm. matter. Everything got run over and the snowplow pushed them into the snowbank oh, yeah. and then when everything started melting, it was this weird fucking like mosaic mural just trapped in the fucking ice and snow on the side of the road god that was fucking morbid that was awful it was kind of cool but i mean grody dude yeah all right the first six bodies they found were buried in paris the first pair were bellamy and knight they were the victims of his prophet killing in the serious murders you know them serious murders them serious them serious murders if you're confused about any murders that we talk about now too like I was, too, because the book was so, like, if they didn't know something, they would just skip over it like it didn't exist. And I was like, what the fuck? And then I would go try to find it other places. Not there either. So. Doesn't happen like that. We're hoping to straighten it all up with the final truth. Uh, Well, on a case that I'm working on, Mm -hmm. that I'm not going to say who. I'm not sure where that came from. But there are birth dates and years that things took place that were intentionally fudged. And what's the word I'm looking for? Like changed for deceitful purposes. Really? So there's no way to tell when a lot of things actually took place or how old people really were. Uh, I hate that because I'm like, I just because I know. Re- yeah, I really need things in chronological order from start to finish. Exactly. Like, I don't want gray areas. I need to know every fucking thing that happened. Okay, please. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye. Now, remember the coastal killings? Those weren't serious. No. Those weren't serious murders. This this is one of them serious ones. Serious. Serious. Now, now that they had bodies and clothes from Kim and an informant, they had a case against Pee Wee. Airtight. Airtight. But, like, what do they even do, though? Like, at this point, like, hey, uh, so, um, Pee Wee... We're, uh, we have this, um, contributing to the delinquency of a minor, but we found her clothes. They still didn't find her body, though, either. No. No. But we got her clothes. Got her clothes. We've got the other bodies. Air tight. We've got the bodies of the other people. So tight. We've got, uh, some guy saying that he knows you did it. Oh, my God. On April 26, 1976, Pee Wee and Neely were charged with eight counts of murder. He was then convicted of the murder of Dennis Bellamy on May 24th, 1976. He was given the death sentence. Once sentenced to death, he began trying to manipulate the system like you do. Like you do. (laughs) He confessed to more than seven murders, hoping for the removal of the death penalty. He was trying to do anything he could to avoid death. 
His little plan didn't work, though. Lucky for him, in November of 1976, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the death penalty was unconstitutional. This ruling saved him, saved him's life. How about it saved his life and made him somewhat of a celebrity in the South Carolina prison because he was supposed to die and he, now he doesn't have to. The guards and inmates in prison were afraid of Pee-wee. They knew what he had done on the outside and he thrived in prison. He knew how to make it work for him. It was his element. Well, in 1978, the Supreme Court overruled the original ban on capital punishment and changed it to where each state could make their own decision. South Carolina chose to resume the death penalty, but at this point, he was still only on, like, life in prison. This obviously didn't please Pee-wee one bit. He went back to his old strategy. He wanted to confess as many to as many murders as possible to try for a plea deal to get him out of the death penalty. The authorities began to question the number of murders he was confessing to because he kept saying it was like a hundred, at least a hundred. And they're like, I don't know. But then they realized that it was very possible. He was working with them on unsolved murders while confessing. So they had like this list of unsolved murders. They're like, do you know any of these people? Have you killed any of these people? And he was confessing to the ones that he did. They were hoping that he could clear some of this up. One of the murder confessions that stood out was that of 13-year-old Margaret Catino. And I think she went by Peggy. Um, Margaret's father, James Catino Jr., was a state senator. By the time Pee Wee had confessed to Margaret's murder, a man by the name of William Pierce had already been convicted and sentenced to life in prison for her murder. So they already got somebody in the hopper for it, and he confesses to it. Margaret's murder was not unlike Pee Wee's other victims. She was abducted in rural Sumter County somewhere around December 18th or 19th of 1970. Her mutilated body was found on a dirt road December 30th. Pee-wee was in the area at this time. Even though Pee-wee had confessed to this murder, South Carolina authorities still thought that William Pierce was her murderer. He was kind of upset that they didn't believe him about his confession. He told them that he knew William Pierce hadn't done it and that he should go free. What a stand-up guy. Uh, Right? Stand-up guy. Just because Pee-wee was locked up, it didn't mean that he had stopped murdering. This This would eventually lead to his downfall. You would think that his title, The Meanest Man in America, came from those 100 murders that he is believed to have committed on the outside. But no, that wasn't it. That name came from the time after he was locked up for murder. Pee-wee was a murderer and a criminal and a and prison. He was a murderer and a criminal. The prison wasn't going to change it. How many times can, you, <coughs> can I use and in one sentence? I don't know. Pee-wee was a murderer and a criminal. Prison wasn't going to stop him from doing any of that. In 1982, he committed a contract killing of a death row inmate. Now, at this time, Pee-wee wasn't on death row. That made this murder, it was a little bit more tricky. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Rudolf Tyner was the man that he was set to kill. Prosecutor Richard, oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. Richard Harputalin. Harputalin. Harputalian. Harputlian. <laughs> All right. Prosecutor Richard Harputlian. 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 
described Rudolph as a semi-retarded, very low IQ guy. That was a quote from That is a Richard. quote. Not that it's going to keep me from saying that, right. but whatever. Rudolph was on death row for the murder of an elderly couple named William and Myrtle Moon. The Moons owned a convenience store that Rudolph robbed, and then after he robbed it, he returned to brutally murder them. The Moons' adopted son, Tony Simo, was not okay with the fact that he was still alive and being kept safe on death row, so he hired Pee-wee to kill him. Apparently, Tony was friends with someone in prison, and that's how he was able to get in touch with Pee-wee. The timing was perfect. He was all depressed. Poor little Pee-wee. Poor Pee-wee. He hadn't been doing any serious killings. He hadn't hurt himself or someone else. Mm. He wasn't able to give himself one of those self-furloughs because the security was tighter. He was getting depressed and being present with the, like, being presented with a new task gave him this, like, lift in his spirits. Oh, oh do, you want me to, do you want me to pull out that there soundboard? <laughs> Just a little, little break from the dull and dreary of prison. I'm so happy for Pee-wee. We wouldn't want him getting depressed in there. Oh, God, whatever shall we do? What's funny is that Pee-wee said Rudolph deserved to die for what he did. Because um, that makes sense. Pot? Kettle? Everyone is stupid except me. <laughs> Apparently, the relationship between um, Pee-wee and Tony Simo would end up being weird. Like, super weird. Like, weird enough that it spawned a made-for-TV movie. The Oh. <laughs> The book didn't say the name of the movie, but the one that I found is called Vengeance, the story of Tony Simo. And it's all about him and what he does to hire Pee-wee and shit. Strangely enough, Pee-wee's motivating factor in this hit was not the murder. It was money. Also, Rudolph was black and Pee-wee was extremely racist. So that was just a bonus for him. Good job, Pee-wee, you fucking piece of shit. You piece of asshole. <laughs> you piece of asshole. <laughs> this was the most challenging murder so far. He had to commit it, which was a challenge all in itself, and then he had to get away with it. I don't really understand why he was so worried about getting away with it, but maybe it was because he was still only on a life sentence and he didn't want to bump it up to, a, to, to death. I don't understand how this happened, but Pee-wee would record all of his phone conversations with Tony on a tape recorder. Because this was back before the prison did it. Right. He did it himself because I don't fucking know. I'm sure he was afraid Tony was going to blackmail him, or maybe he wanted to blackmail Tony and use it for immunity in the future. Only Pee-wee knows this answer. Pee-wee had a lot of free roaming privileges in this prison. He was able to go cell to cell so he could make friends. He would bring bring Rudolph extra food and sometimes weed. He was making friends to get close to him so that he would trust him so that he could kill him. He decided on poison to kill him. He said, quote, We gave that son of a bitch all but one dose, and all it's doing is making that son of a bitch sick. So maybe do your research on your fucking poison before you try to poison someone. He tried one more time to poison him, and it didn't work, so Pee-wee scratched the poison plan because he thought people were going to be on his tracks. Like, they're like, they're going to figure this poison thing out, and they're going to, you know, stop it. (laughs) So he had to start back on square one. He was now an inmate maintenance man. He liked this job. 
It gave him freedom. I don't know who the hell gave him this job, but they clearly didn't know how many times he escaped from his previous incarcerations. Just to make it even better, he had tools that he has... You're ruining my moment. <laughs> <laughs> he had tools that he's allowed to keep in his cell and also finally figured out that that's what he needed to kill Rudolph. Bing! Oh, wait, nope. I, I have. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. <laughs> it pleases me, okay? <laughs> I know it's I know it's stupid. I know it's childish. But that's what we are. He was soon moved into the cell right next to Rudolph. It's like they were handing him this murder. Well, I mean, it's kind of how it happened for Dahmer too. Like, mm -hmm. hey, you go in there and clean that there uh, corner over there where Jeffrey Dahmer is, and uh, we're going to go in here and cornhole us a drunk. That's pretty much how it works, Whatever right? Whatever happens while you're in there, it's, that's on you. I swear to God. State, state law. <laughs> Pee-wee made a jailhouse telephone between their two cells. He said he made it so that they could communicate, but also to help him carry out his murder plan, which was to blow him up. In my mind, it's like one of those cups right and i Tin really, can and string yeah i really think that's kind of what it is and you'll see you'll see why but that's what that's what i get in my head is uh, like i feel like it? that's reasonable mm -hmm. at this point tony couldn't get dynamite to him but he was able to get a small amount of c4 plastic explosives Wee was able to get the c4 into the prison through a secret compartment that he cut into his boots he put a <clears throat> he put it in a cup sealed the blasting cap, C4 and wires into it, and told Rudolph it was a receiver for his phone. So he gives it to Rudolph and says, this is the receiver for your little phone cup. I was thinking that this was going to fail miserably because of the kerosene. Yeah, because he's so stupid, the kerosene. The kerosene. However, Pee Wee actually pulled this off. When Rudolph put the receiver up to his ear, the bomb went off, killed him dead and dead. Killed him to death. It killed him right to death. He died. He did. To death. Deader than dead gets. Oh my God, just dead. Some of the other prisoners said that pieces of him went everywhere and that his fingers were all over the place. Ooh. That's nice. That's nice. <sighs> Remember the tapes that Pee Wee was keeping of him and Tony's conversation? Prison authorities soon found them and used them against both men. Dum, dum, dum. Both men were convicted. Tony was sentenced to eight years in prison, but only served six months six months for his part in the conspiracy to murder. For Pee-wee, this would be what ended up taking him down for good. But during the trial, he got some of the recognition, recognition he thought he deserved. People were shocked at what he was able to carry out behind bars. He's like, fucking finally, I have to kill a hundred people. I can and kill a hundred people. I kill one retard. And y'all finally call me the meanest man in America. I blow up one some bitch while we're locked up. And that's what it takes. Fuck. There it is. God, this is a rough audience. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. All right. <clears throat> Once they found out about this murder, they found out about the other murders that he had committed. Unfortunately for Pee-wee, this murder was a capital murder. Because of this, he was given two court-appointed attorneys. 
John Young and Jack Swirling, they were two of the best high-profile criminal defense lawyers in South Carolina. Pee Wee was a pain-in-the-ass client. John Young finally found a level of respect from Pee Wee. He told them once, I hate all lawyers, except you. Except you. I hate all lawyers, except you. <clears throat> do you, How many do you know, Pee Wee? Can you base that? Like, yeah, like, real... uh, you want to go ahead and... Yeah. It didn't take long for his attorneys to figure out just how evil Pee Wee was. While the attorneys were working on his case, Pee Wee tried to find an alibi. He wrote a letter to his friend J.B. Brown asking him to admit to Rudolph's murder. To, or he asked him to admit Rudolph's murder to a priest. Pee Wee thought that if J.B. told a priest, the priest would tell the authorities and they would have to be anonymous because a priest can't share names. Right? Sounds That sounds good. Sure. Sounds good to me. This backfired because J.B. went to the authorities and this only gave the prosecutors more ammo, so he had to continue to rely on his attorneys. The evidence against him just piled up. The attorneys did amazing work, but there was nothing they could do. Like, I'm sure at one point they were like, fucking why, why do we even try? <clears throat> In 1983, he was convicted of capital murder, and to make sure he had no more victims in prison or out, they sentenced him to the electric chair. He knew that it could take years before he was electrocuted, and they had him on tight lockdown, so he couldn't kill anymore. And this is when he decided to give himself the fame he deserved. Over the next 15 years, Pee Wee worked with an author named Wilton Earl. He gave all of the gory details to his murder. Oh, he gave all of the gory details of his murder, all of the murders, to the author, and this is where... The final truth came in. And God, its they're not kidding when they say they gave all the gory details. I can't imagine the nightmares this fucking Wilton Earl had. Oh my God. 15 years of dealing with this shit. Right? 15. Fitting. <clears throat> the reason, and I we kind of talked about it, the reason we didn't start the final truth yet is because we don't know how true it is. The book that the first two episodes were written from were more of the facts that we have and convicted kills. And nobody knows how true the final truth is. But we'll get into that book a little bit today, more next week. And like we said, pre prepare yourself. It's not good. Brace for impact. Oh, God. Pee Wee insisted that the book didn't get published until he was dead. He said he didn't want everyone to know exactly what he did while he was still fighting to stay out of the electric chair. For the most part, he was kept on tranquilizers and sleeping pills while he was in solitary confinement, which he was okay with. Um, I don't think they wanted him getting in any trouble either, so they're like, let's just keep this little bastard doped up. The 90s were approaching. He had exhausted all of his appeals, and I think that opened it up for him to try to commit one last crime, because what were they going to do? Kill him? Murder him dead. With the murder? They were going to kill him. Kill him dead. Deader than dead? Yeesh. <clears throat> With the electricity. <laughs> electricity. No, remember? It's Lextricity. <laughs> oh, look. Lextricity. <clears throat> Pee-wee came up with a plan with some of his criminal buddies to kidnap the daughter of the prosecuting attorney, Richard Harputlian. Yes, Dick. Dick Harpoon. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking well played, dude. <clears throat> 
Well, they were going to hold her for ransom. Apparently, they weren't giving him enough tranquilizers. No. Hey, man, I happen to know that Thorazine is a hell of a drug, and most people do a shuffle for quite a few days. Once to put under this lovely tranquilizer. Maybe he got used to it. Fuck, dude, He's no. Like, you can't, like, there is... Hmm. Nope. Thorazine is one of them, their drugs, what put you in a small coma. Oh. You're just, you just happen to be coherent. Enough to, like, blink, drool, and shuffle. That sounds exactly where he needs to be. Uh, yeah, they probably should have. Don't worry, the people he tried to get to do the kidnapping got scared and turned him in. This resulted in Pee-wee losing the small amount of privileges that he had left. As his execution approached, he said this, quote, I am one of the few that truly understands what death and pain are all about. I have walked the same path as God. By taking lives and making others afraid of me, I have become God's equal. Through the killing of others, I became my own master. Through my own power, I come to my own redemption. Once I seen the miracle light, I didn't never again have to fear to obey the rule of no man or God. End quote. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm a hundred percent sure. <laughs> That God was not raping anally or vaginally or orally anyone. Never. Nope. As far as I know. I've read cover to cover many versions of the Bible. Not once was God referred to as a fucking sodomite. Meep. Not even the Virgin Mary. Not even. Why'd you meep that? Fuck that. That was funny. We did. He didn't even. There wasn't even no fucking of the Virgin Mary. What gave birth to Jesus Christ? Him very self. That was no rape. That was consensual. That was consensual spiritual fornication. <laughs> Consecration of a virgin womb. Yes. It's like breaking in a pair of socks through osmosis. You're. Oh, if you get bored on night. If you need something, last podcast on the left is doing a five-part series on Mormonism. I'm on the second part. It's fucking amazing. Except for they think that everybody in Utah is a Mormon. And they're like, when we were in Salt Lake, they must have gotten... Oh, what do they say? They must have gotten relaxed on that alcohol rule. Because when we were in Salt Lake, there was a lot of people drinking. I'm like, that whole whole fucking place? Not Mormon. Sorry. I bet there might have been a couple... There Jack, were none. Jack there, Mormons. They, there were none. There were no, no. active You're members in... of the LDS church. Jesus, fuck. Do I need to tweet, Ben? Like, I've been thinking about it. I've like, really been thinking dude, about it. Dude, come on. Y'all need to either travel back to Utah... So, and like, spend a few days. Like, tell me that you're going to be in town. I will come. We will hang out. Against yeah. your will, if necessary. But the point being... Yeah. You have the wrong idea about Utah. Right. Like, way fucking wrong. This proves they didn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> I know. You did not listen to us like Y'all you said listen. you would. Okay, you didn't actually say you would, but... Okay, what I heard what you I say... What I heard was, <laughs> I... oh, you have a podcast? Great. I'm going to listen to every episode starting now. <laughs> you have let me down. My expectations are foundered. All ben? Right. I almost said Ben. Jerry? <laughs> We are fat. Oh, God. (laughs) Ben, Marcus, Henry, we are not Mormons. We are from Utah. Ben and Henry, Harry, 
Perry, Jerry, Jerry somebody. Give me ice cream. I'm fucking fat. Diabetes. Right. I don't really care what we're talking about. I'd like some ice cream, please. <laughs> I can feel my blood sugar crushing. I'm not even diabetic, nor am I hypoglycemic, but I would very much like some ice cream. I haven't had any sugar today, minus the 15 pounds of creamer in my coffee. Okay, yeah, that's me too. Um, so just so you know, 7-Eleven has a deal that it's buy two, get two free on king size candy bars like Reese's Peanut oh. Butter Cups, which happen to be my nemesis. I did, in fact, buy four. Guess how many I've eaten? None. What? I put one in the freezer and there's three in my truck. I don't know. Oh, when I put them in the freezer, trying to keep them less inviting, uh-huh. they're more inviting. I like them cold. I don't so do know I. why. I put one in the freezer at work. <clears throat> I did, however, buy an inordinate amount of breakfast pastries the other day, so... Oh. I was going to bring some, and I didn't. I had an apple turnover last night, and my belly is not happy, but I am. It was delicious. <laughs> well, that, that is the final truth. <laughs> That's the final truth. I have medicine that I can take that just pushes it right out. Oh. If I eat wheat. My God, you're like a Play-Doh fun factory. I am. It's Gross. great. Okay. It's amazing. Shh. On the day that Pee-wee was set to be executed, he tried to one-up him and cut his own wrists. However, he was stitched up and returned to death row for his 1 a.m. execution. Fuck you. You don't get to die on your watch. No. We take you back. You die on our time. Exactly. Pee Wee was executed September 6, 1991 at a newly built Broad River Correction Institute. God damn it. Also known as the Capital Punishment, Capital Punishment Facility. Catchy name. Very catchy. CPF. CPF. Child Protection Funds, Capital Bush Punishment. (laughs) Good God Almighty. All right. He was the second person to be executed there and the only one to be executed executed in 1991. Once he was strapped into the electric chair, he said, I'll let my lawyers talk for me. I'm ready to go. That's kind of a shitty, like, last words, really. Like, you know what? Here's the deal. If I actually kill half the people that I fucking have threatened to kill. And you're on death row. And I am on death row. And they strap me to my chair because I'm going to ask if it is in the state of Utah. I am going to be asking for shooting squad, firing squad. I want to die. Bullet right in the heart. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. it's kind of cool. I'm going to say some witty shit. I'm either going to quote Johnny Cash or I'm going to be like something, something. And a pale horse, and on him was death. And I know that that's not actually how that whole thing goes, but you guys have to understand that I'm running on, like, no fucking hours of sleep, and I've been awake for, like, 24 because I was at work. So, but something good, you know what I mean? Like I can see you going on a filibuster. <laughs> Somebody bring me the phone book. This ain't ending till I say. I'll let you know. <laughs> we ain't done yet. And... That was the end of Pee Wee Gaskins. There you go. And now, <clears throat> what you've all been waiting for. Beer, beer, beer. We're going to start in The Final Truth. I have stated my opinion about this book. I don't feel like it's 100% true. I don't know what anybody else feels. That's just my opinion. Um... Like I said, the first two episodes were off of more facts of what we know that he did versus this is what he says that what he did. Right. Okay. The flap of the book. Flap. 
I just thought this was interesting while I was reading through it. And just so you know, this copy says it was 1995, and I'm sure that's a total fucking lie because they're so expensive. Um, in this intensely personal and explicit account of his life, Pee Wee Gaskins talks about his childhood years in rural South Carolina, his adolescent crimes, and the brutally oh, and the brutality of reform school, his adult crimes in the years in violent prison and in the streets. Without remorse and in graphic detail, he describes the escalating pattern of pain received and pain inflicted that brought him to inexorably to a September morning in 1969 when he committed his initial coastal kill. And the final truth, Gas... Oh, I skipped through some shit. In the final truth, Gaskins confesses to murders never before divulged, revealing specific information only the killer could possess. And he weaves detailed stories of corruption and tre treachery. That was a tough one. Both inside and outside of prison. Including his version of how he committed the impossible crime. Killing an inmate on death row with smuggled explosives. Despite the security of solitary confinement. This actually is interesting. This is the... The preface? Is that how you say it? That's how all my audible people say it is preface. Preface. <laughs> preface. In my mind, it's preface because that's how it's fucking spelled. Preface. preface. This book is the product of more than 120 hours of conversations with Donald Henry Pee Wee Gaskins recorded between May 1990 and August 1991. See, the other book said it was 15 years worth, so Dis discrepancy. During those 15 months spent gaining his trust. Ah, oh, 15 months, not years. That's why. Bum, bum, bum. Makes sense now. Yep. There, there was a fuck up a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's mine or the books, but somebody fucked up. Probing his mind and taping these interviews, it was never my intention to write a book about Gaskins, his life, and his crimes. That could have been accomplished with simply another paste up of newspaper clippings, rehashed comments, and court transcripts. Instead, I wanted to scrape away the thick and opaque veneer of what Gaskins called his, quote, same old shit, and enabled him to paint an uncensored, woo, uncensored verbal self-portrait, his own intensely personal version of his life, with neither the restraints nor judgments of any author or editor other than himself. And, in so doing, revealing his perception of both his life and the world in which he lived. My object was to follow the reader to come to know Pee Wee Gaskins in the same manner I did, through his own words. Words that he chose to call the final truth. The final truth. All I can hear is Henry's <coughs> voice, Henry Zabrowski. And that's the final truth. <laughs> that episode cracked my shit up. But, which I believe might be more aptly described as his final judgment of himself. In order not to impose my... Impose myself between Gaskins and the reader. I have used only his statements, compiled, selected, and edited from transcribed tapes. More detailed information on the method employed in writing this book may be found, along with my observations, in the section of notes. It is left to the reader to determine the success or failure of this effort to provide an insight to a man who is, by definition, both a mass murderer and a serial killer. And that was written by Wilton Earl in January of 1992. 
in the introduction of the book, he's talking about how he was soon going to be moved to death row um, at the Capital Punishment Facility. He said he would be monitored 24 hours a day up until his execution so that he doesn't attempt suicide or find drugs that will make dying easier. He said that right before he goes in, he will be told to go to the bathroom to piss and shit, and then they would put a rubber band around his penis and they will put cotton up his rectum so that he doesn't, quote, offend the witnesses by pissing and shitting all over everything when the switch is thrown. He says he won't need any help or urging to get to the electric chair because he is ready to go. He gives the rundown about how he will be strapped in and where the electrodes will run and blah, blah, blah. He just talks about the whole process, but then he says that his body will be released to his daughter for cremation. His cremains. <laughs> his cremains. I wonder if they went and put him in the swamp. I don't know. It didn't say that part yet. He said that he wanted his body taken care of the right way because he had gotten a lot of letters from Satan worshippers. And they told him they were going to take his body illegally if he didn't let them have it. They said they wanted his corpse because it has special powers because he is so evil and because of how many people he has killed. They wanted to have a black mass on his execution day every year to remind everyone of who he was and what he did. He said he didn't believe in black magic and voodoo shit, but he didn't want his family to worry about a bunch of grave diggers digging up his body. Go put it in the swamp. Really? Pee-wee? Yeah, let's put you where you put people. After, and well, and that's why he was saying that he wanted to get cremated and blah, 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 because he didn't want to have to deal with all that shit. After he explains his, quote, ending, he wanted to talk about the rest of his fucked up life. He said he'd been having urges for a long time to talk about what really happened. Not about the lies he told the lawyers and police, but about the real truth of what happened. Quote, the honest, real, final truth. <laughs> Sorry, I can't oh, with this God. fucking dude. In the past, he always waited until he needed to make a deal to tell them where more bodies were. He wanted to find the right author to tell the story for him. There were plenty that wanted to write about him, but not to tell his story how he wanted it told. He okay, said, then what? He said he would have written his own book, but he couldn't really read. He really couldn't read or write well enough well, to write I just, his own book. You know, I just wanted you to know I'm kind of an illiterate some bitch, so um, I'm gonna need somebody to pen this one out. Mm-hmm. He said it was harder than he thought it would be. He said there was a lot that he buried deep inside, but the writer wouldn't let up. He kept going over and over it. I bet he did. I'm going to read page six to you of this book. Yay. Uh-huh. Forgive me for not being excited. Where is it? There's some of it that I didn't want to paraphrase. That's why I'm reading just a little bit out of it. Uh, the fact that I am dead before you read this book means that the writer kept his word. And after you read all I got to say, you'll know I haven't really left hardly nothing untold. And ain't that the final fucking truth? I added that part. Sorry. <clears throat> Me and the writer worked out what to put in this introduction after I finished reading the manuscript, which he brought to me a few pages at a time over our last visits. I didn't ask him to make no changes because, like it or not, those words are all mine. Which brings me to one more thing I wanted to make real clear. Nowhere in this book of the final truth am I asking for anybody's forgiveness for anything. 
I got no apologize. Oh, apologize. I got no apologies to make. I got no life. apologize. I uh, apologize. I hate that fucking song. I don't even know. Or too that late. Is. Something. I don't know. It's too late to that apologize. One. I hate that fucking song. I got no apologies to make for my life. I always had my reasons for everything I ever done. From ever. Donald. <laughs> Donald Henry Pee Wee Gaskins Jr. Number 239, Adisto Building, Death Row, Broad River Correctional Institute, Columbia, South Carolina, August 1991. Do you feel better for having said all of that without fucking it up in that accent? I feel like I did fuck it up a little bit. A wee... Just a wee bat? (laughs) Just a wee bat. That is all for today, though. We We are calling it quitsies. Yeah, fuck this guy, fuck this book, fuck it all. Next week, you get more of the fucking book that I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. You won't like it either. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes Some of it's fucking funny, though. But like, not the kid from the Kicks commercial. Mm-mm. He doesn't like it. What's mm-mm. his name? Mikey. Mikey. Mikey doesn't like Mikey it. Mikey doesn't like it. So, that is all. Maybe don't rape people. Please, God, for the love of God, don't. And uh, stay Stay out of chalk lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.